Welcome to the Victory Life Church Podcast. We believe it's important to present an uncomplicated and uncluttered view of Christ and how we should live. We hope this podcast inspires you and helps build your faith. If you ever find yourself in the area, come check us out. For more information on services and events, visit us at vlcministries.com and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at VLC Plantation. Um, man, it's good to be in the house of the Lord, amen? It's good to be here. Give yourselves a round of applause for showing up with an hour less of sleep. Come on. Some of you are, some of you are not clapping because you are very bitter. That uh, who dare the, how dare the state of Florida tell me that I have to lose an hour. So by the way, why are we still doing that? Is that even essential anymore? I love when it's dark in the morning. I, so I love this time, this time, but not the, the other one. Man, I like when it's dark in the morning because even if I wake up late, I still feel like I'm productive because it's dark out. So, um, hey, if you have your Bibles, we're going to go to the uh, book of Colossians. And we just set this up because we've been walking through um, a, a message series titled We the Church. And, you know, we've been looking at, um, you know, the, the passage is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 27, which says, now you are the body of Christ and each of you is a what? A member, that's what the passage says, each of you is a member of it. And so as a member of the, the body of Christ, well, what does that entail? Well, that means that I'm gonna lay down preferences, that I'm going to get out of my seat and be functioning. I'm gonna start walking in the giftings that God has given me. Some of you have giftings that God has given you and, and they're sitting around waiting. And God's looking for somebody to use the giftings you have. It also says that I'm gonna fight for the unity of the church. Because how many of you know that the enemy wants to step in and divide? And so we will fight to, to remain unified. We'll shut up any gossip or any unforgiveness. We're going to stop all those things, and we're going to walk in unity. And then I thought my dad, he just did a phenomenal job last week on now teaching your family to love and to pray for the church. And so we were going to stop it, by the way. We were done. Like, that was the last and final message, and my dad was going to hit it home. And, and I've, I've heard so many conversations from his message. By the way, he's probably going to watch and uh, man, there was so much that he shared that I was sitting back thinking like, wow, is that, is that what I believe? Is that really what? And, and I got to dive into conversations with people after my, my dad's message that were so edifying to the body. It was like iron sharpening iron. And it was just, it was so good. And man, I thought he did a, I thought he did a great job uh, preaching. Didn't he do a great job last week of, of preaching about if he's done something right, he's led his family well. And I can say that on stage, my dad has done a great job at leading us. I didn't like it all the time, by the way. Like, like how, how did he raise you? Well, we had to wake up at like 5 a.m. He was doing handstand push-ups, and then he was teaching us the Bible at like 6 in the morning. And we're like, Dad, this is too much for us, right? Um, so uh, that, that was my dad. And uh, JC, you know, man, you know, you're laughing back there, you know. Um, so, man, he just did a phenomenal job. And so we, we figured we would just continue this for a few more weeks. And we're actually going to end it next week, and next week's going to be uh, something that, that I believe is going to be foundational for VLC, and I'll share more about that in a few minutes. But um, I wanted to continue this because there's another responsibility that we have as a church when it comes to fighting for unity, you know, the step, you know, kicking division out. There's something else that Paul addresses in the book of Colossians chapter 2, if you have your Bibles. And Paul is speaking to, um, to uh, believers in Colossae who, by the way, are doing a really good job. It's a, it's a new, like, church plant, and they're learning in their faith. They're growing in their faith. Um, but there was, a, there was a problem. Somebody say problem. There was a threat to the new believers in, in Colossae. 
that, that was keeping them from doing what God called them to do as well as believe what God called them to believe. It was, reminds me when I was down in the Keys and I was at this reef called Luki. And we were snorkeling and we were looking at all these amazing coral heads and fish and stingrays. And I'm like, like that's, that's what killed Steve Irwin. You know, I'm looking at those things right there. Stay away from me. And so it's just, a, it's beautiful. If you've been down to the Florida Keys, incredible. And so we're, we're out there snorkeling and all of a sudden we hear some commotion going on about 20 yards down the water. What do you think that commotion is about? Because there is, there's a shark in the water. And I did what any man did. I grabbed my wife and I was like, get in front of me, protect me. You know, I'm like, no, like, no, I, I swam towards it. I swam towards it after some other people swam. But uh, man, that, that just caused everybody to go back into their boats. And I think, I think the enemy is like a shark that likes to step in and bring confusion, disrupt what God is doing in his church, cause us to step away and stop and to remain stagnant. And Paul's like, the, there is this threat stepping into the church of new believers where I preach to you. Paul actually wasn't even there, by the way. We'll find that out. But, but the basic outline of Colossians, if you're looking to study the book of Colossians, Paul says, Jesus is God and Jesus is enough. So there's the supremacy of Christ and the sufficiency of Christ. That's what Paul talks about in Colossians. And that was being, uh, that was being diluted, by the way, by the, by the sharks showing up. And so Paul's like, we got, we got to cut this out. And so this is what he says in verse, uh, ver chapter two. I'm in Philippians, chapter two, uh, verse four. He says, I tell you these things so that no one may deceive you by fine sounding arguments. For though I am absent from you in the body, I am present with you in the spirit. And I delight to see how orderly you are and how firm your faith in Christ is. Verse six, he says, so then just as you receive Christ, Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him. Continue to live in him. Somebody say continue. Continue to live, continue to walk. I'm gonna warn you about some things. I'm also gonna encourage you. I'm gonna remind you about some things. But I, but I need you to continue. If you're a member of VLC, part of our responsibility, here it is, church, is we have to do everything we can to protect any outside philosophies or heresies to step in and compromise the biblical truths that we preach, the biblical truths that we are founded on. We have to prevent that. We have to be the, 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 the firewall. So if you're taking down any notes, let me give you a title. That's not really my title, but I, I, I couldn't think of a title, and I had like five. So we can just say outside philosophies, or um, here's a better, more theological sound title, get that crap out of here, okay? We're, we're going to be a firewall. Part of the, we, the church, we're going to be a firewall from any outside nonsense that wants to make its way, not just in our schools, but now in our churches. Not today. We need some greeters out there that are not just smiling, but they got some weapons to kick anybody, we're not kicking anybody out today, but if just somebody wants to show up, you know those people. Maybe you've been that person. But let me pray for us and then we'll, we'll move on. Jesus, thank you so much, God. I'm, I'm so grateful for who you are and so grateful that I can read your scripture. And it seems like every time I read these verses, it's like I get something new out of it that I did not know before. And so I pray that today as we read and we learn and maybe we're challenged or maybe we're encouraged, God, that you'd be speaking to us in a way that only you can speak to us. 
Let it not be my words, but your words. We love you, and it's in Jesus' name. Everybody said in one loud voice. Hey, do me a favor. Turn to the person next to you and tell them, man, I'm so glad you're sitting next to me. Thank you for being here. Um, you know, when, when my dad and I were, were going over uh, some of these things months and months ago, and we got to the subject of leading, you know, your family well, and, th- and that's not easy because some of you have some, some strays that are just like, we don't like the church. And you're like, Jacob, man, I'm just I'm trying to bring him by the neck and bring him here. And I would say, that's the problem, you know. Um, but I thought my dad has just taught us really well. And one thing that he's always done is he's, he's allowed us to pray for the church. And so... Um, Every day I drop my son off at school, I pray for him for school. But since we've been talking about this, I now, I don't just pray for him, but I also pray for our church. And, you know, I'm driving and my hand's back here holding his hand. And we're sitting there, we're praying. And I'm saying, God, you know, I thank you for Judah. Protect him at school today. Help him be smart. I'm really praying that over my kids because I think my parents forgot to pray for that, you know, over us. <laughs> Would God just make, a, make him smart, you know, straight A's? Make him kind, respectful. And then we're like, and Father, we pray for Victory Life Church. We pray for the leaders, the pastors, myself included. Uh, we pray for the members. We pray for the, 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 the laborers and the servants, God. And, and we pray that you would increase our capacity to love people, to serve people. And so I've been doing this every single day. Well, not Saturdays and Sundays, but just the, the days I take them to school. And now I find myself, because I pray for my kids every single night, we start praying. I'm like, I don't need to pray for the church at, this, at night, do I, God? And he's like, no, pray for the church then at night. So, you know, as one of your pastors here, I've always prayed for you. But now I'm praying for you with my kids. And uh, it's really special. And so now my son prayed the other day um, for our food. He prayed for our food. And he just did such an incredible job. I'm just like, I'm so impressed. Who taught you how to pray? Me. I taught him how to pray. You know, I'm like, that's so cool. So God is good. And, uh, man, it's just my relationship with Christ has changed after I had kids. As I tell you all the time, it showed me how much I am not like Christ but it also shows me how to be like Christ. And I'm just very grateful for that. So in the book of Colossians, if you have your Bibles, and by the way, if, you, if you're a note taker, um, we got some women in this church who, who, are, who are strong note takers, and they have put together um, a piece of paper that you can follow along. Now, I know it's really for like our middle school students and maybe some of our high school students um, that probably draw on this more than they do write on this, but that's who I was. That was the drawer. Um, but, but we're not making these available at this moment for everybody, but they're just here to encourage you to take some notes. So uh, go to Colossians chapter 2. Because, um, and I want to share something in the beginning here, and I want to share this in verse 5, because Paul, Paul is, a, you know, an apostle. Paul would start churches and then he would leave the church. So he wasn't like a pastor called to, to plant a church and then become that pastor. He, he would plant churches, he would appoint elders, overseers, shepherds, and then he would leave. And so Paul was not in Colossae. He, he didn't get to be there. That Colossae, the church of Colossae was kind of a, was benefiting from all the churches around it. Ephesus, Laodicea. And so Colossae was just a bunch of believers who were trying to figure it out. And they were trying to appoint some pastors and elders. And, and Paul was like, man, I'm so encouraged by what I see or what I hear. Because I, I wish I could be there, but I wasn't there. And he says this in verse 5 that, um, you know, although I'm absent with you in the body... I'm present with you in the spirit. Now, let's stop there for a moment. Because you don't always have to be present to be an encouragement. 
This idea that, man, I've got to be there to encourage you. And once I leave, I can no longer encourage you. It's like we forget how to be a, a, a family member when we move out of state. We forget to be a friend or how to be a friend when we move to another college. It's like we don't know how to friend anymore. We don't know how to family anymore. Paul says, no, I can still encourage you even though I'm not presently with you. But I can write and I can pray. I like to think of myself as an encourager, even greater than a pastor. I, I love encouraging people. That's because everybody encourages me. And so when I think about somebody, I'll pull out my phone and I'll shoot you a text. And don't think that, that I'm like, you know, creeping on you or thinking about you in a, in a weird way. I'm just, I'm just praying for you. And I'll shoot you a text. Hey, I'm thinking about you and I love you and I'm here for you. Did he see what I was doing last night? Is that why he's trying to call me out? No, I just, I want to encourage you. So if you've received a text from me, I'm just here to encourage you. If you haven't received a text from me, I probably don't love you and I'm not here to encourage you. I guess that's what it is. But when you think about somebody... Let them know you're thinking about them. That goes a long way. Come on, anybody received that before? Like somebody texts you and you're just like, man, I needed that in this moment. I needed that. So thank you. Paul is saying, I'm not present with you, but I can still be an encouragement. And this is why he goes on to say in verse four. He says, I tell you these things. And what things is he talking about? If you look at verse one in chapter two, he says, I want you to know how much I'm struggling because I, I, I wish I was there. My purpose is so that you can be encouraged and unified in love and, and you can understand the riches and, and you can come to complete understanding the mysteries of God. Now, that's going to come into play here later on in this chapter. That's why he sets this up. But he says, I, I tell you these things so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. Now, we know what fine-sounding arguments look like because we've struggled with them personally. Before I get to a church level, let me talk about personally. Man, I drive on the highway every single day, and when I get home, I see this billboard, and it says body sculpting. And I'm like, I can look how I want to look without putting in the hard work? Sign me up. How much does it cost? I'll take out a loan. Sign me up. I mean, that's a, that's a fine-sounding argument. What about you can be whoever you want to be based upon how you feel? Man, if I was who I was based upon how I felt, I'd be like an animal sometimes because that's who I identify as sometimes. I'd be sleep. That's how I identify. I'm, I'm sleep. Based upon how I feel, I can be who I want to be. But what about this one, which is preached a lot in the church, is that God loves you just the way you are. I receive that. Amen. And we forget to preach the other half, that, but he loves you too much to leave you there. Yeah. Well, we're going to talk about sanctification in a second, Irene. I will get there. I mean, those are arguments that are like, God loves me just the way I am. That means I can do the same things that I've been doing, say the same things I've been saying. Man, I worship that God. Now, let me talk about these arguments that step into the church. You know, you've been attending church for a few months. Maybe you're a new believer. Maybe you're trying to figure out this whole Bible thing. Maybe you've been a believer for 20 years and you're still trying to get past, you know, certain books and you're, and you're trying to figure this out. And then somebody shows up and says, you're just going to believe everything that that pastor preaches out of? Do you even know if the Bible is credible? And now I start to question whether or not the pastor up there is preaching truth. Because you know pastors, and they're failures. Look at, look at the statistics. You know how many moral failures happen in pastors? Have you seen that documentary about that church? Well, why am I a part of that church? Should I, be, should I even be a part of that church? I would ask my dad this question. I was like, Dad, what's some arguments that, that step into the church? You've been in a 
I was like, Dad, you've been in the church for 200 years, you know. Uh, how, uh, well, it's some, it's some arguments. And he said, Jacob, man, we, people used to come in there and preach that if you had not been baptized, then uh, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. Baptism was essential to salvation. Baptism is not essential to salvation. Baptism is obedience, but it's not essential. And so we, we cut that out of the door. We don't let that in here. Or he was like, what about the argument about predestination? He's like, Jacob, you should talk about that. And you should start sharing all these scriptures. And I was like, Dad, I will avoid that. <laughs> but, uh, 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 but I'll share something. You know, when I was in youth ministry and we had this leader step in and Eddie, you may not remember who they are. And I won't say their name, but they stepped in and they started, you know, telling us about how, how you, you, were, um, you were either chosen or you weren't. And now some kids are looking at themselves like, I've been attending church my whole life. Am I not chosen? That's not for me to tell. That's not for me to say. And he would, start, he would start to indoctrinate our kids with this a little bit. And every time I meet with him, he would just, he would just start talking about this. And I was like, oh, you know, I, I, I want to talk about those things. But you're bringing a lot of confusion to our kids. You're, bringing, you're, you're, you're destroying the unity of, of what we're doing here by, bringing, by indoctrinating us with those things right there. Yeah, you've got all these scriptures that we've been predestined. But there are a lot of scriptures that we step into this. And so, like, let's talk about it, but don't stop it. You know, I had, we, had to kick, we had to kick him out. And I said, you can't, you, can't, you can't have that here. I got the authority from my pastor, by the way, to do so. You know, this, the type of damage that outside philosophies and heresies can do to a church, all it takes is for somebody to come in with an agenda, to start, to start spreading this heresy. And for people to buy into it. And, and that's the thing, is that the damage it was doing to the church in Colossae is they were confusing them, and then they were bringing division, and then ultimately it led, and it leads, as we know, as separation. People are like, well, I'm just gone. I don't want to be here anymore. Because I was once confused, and now I was once divided. Paul says, you've got to be careful. If you're a member of VLC, you're going to be willing to protect the unity of this church, but you also got to protect us from the deception outside of this church to act as a firewall. And so let me give you just two things. Here's what he says, and we're going to read this scripture in verse 6. He says, you have to remember the foundation, okay? you got to remember the foundation. Verse 6, he says, so then, just as you receive Christ, how many of you have received Christ? Jesus says, Lord, come on. Continue to live in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. Now that you've received Christ, man, there should be an overflow of thankfulness in your life. There should be an overflow of gratitude in your life. There should be an overflow of joy in your life. Where are the joyful Christians at? Where are the thankful Christians at? Some of you are like, man, I've been saved for 29 years now. It's like being married to a woman, you know? I'm like, that's how you view God and your relationship with Christ? That you're enslaved, you're in bondage to that covenant you made 20 years ago? I'm like, come on, man, I, I get to serve God just like I get to serve my wife. And I get to love her and cherish her. I get to serve God. This is something I stepped into, man. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be overflowing with thankfulness. In fact, I give you permission to call me out if I look miserable. Jacob, come on, do you know the Jesus inside of you? Call me out. I'll do the same to you. I want to see that joy. I want to see that passion. I want to see that, that fire. Some of you look like you might as well be asleep. Where, where's, where's that joy? Where's that joy that is the strength? The joy of the Lord is my strength. Where's that at? He says, overflowing with thankfulness. 
But he says, but you can't stop. You can't stop learning. You can't stop growing. You can't stop reading and discovering the truths, the mysteries of God. He says in the, the beginning of verse 2, he says, I want you to come to complete understanding. So, so you can't stop going. You know something that we'll teach here always, something that I'll teach here always, is a spirit of teachability. We're, we're never done learning. We're never done growing. We, we can't all of a sudden think that, that we don't need any more instruction in our life. In fact, let me take you to Proverbs chapter 10, verse 17. It says, whoever heeds instruction, whoever pays attention to it, is on the path to life. But he who rejects reproof leads others astray. Who told you that once you got saved that you didn't need to please God anymore? You pleased God then when you gave your heart to him, but you don't need to please him anymore. Who told you that now that your salvation is assured, now that you are, you know, it's written in, in stone in the book of life, that you don't need to worship, you don't need to pray? What pastor told you, it's okay if you don't read your Bible. Get to it when you can. Who, who told you those things? That this changed you once, but it won't change you every other day. What, what happened to you, what happens to you, when all of a sudden you close this and you put this away? You know, the very first time that I went snowboarding in Colorado, I've, I've been a handful of times, but the first time I discovered a lot. By the way, I, I wasn't going to ski because I didn't think that was cool. And so I, I decided I was going to snowboard. And I, now I realize that skiing is, is also cool. <laughs> because there's a lot of limitations that you have when you snowboard. And also it's like mental. And when you put a snowboard on, you're like, I could do anything. And I, my, day one, man, I got up on that pole. And I tried to grind that thing. And man, I, smack on my head. Good thing I was wearing a helmet or I would have died. I was too confident. But uh, there's this thing that I've discovered. Um, they're called catwalks, and they're not like steep inclines on, on the mountainside, but they're like a, like, a, like, a, like a long path that you have to get to the other side of. And then if you're on skis, you can kind of push your way through. But if you're on a snowboard, they tell you that you can't stop. you got to build up some momentum to get all the way through. Because if you stop in the middle of it, and if you're on a snowboard, you gotta, you got to walk. Because you can't build momentum enough to get because it's not an incline. you got to just walk the rest of the way. And that's what I discovered shortly on. I was like, man, I have to, I have to go pretty fast. To get. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Those catwalks? Yeah. I know we're from South Florida. But uh, we, we see snow once in a while. Not down here, of course, just on TV. And so when, when I would visit, I'm like, I'm all in. Let's go. Um, that's, that's just like what it comes to when it comes to our faith. It's like, you know, I'm, I'm all in. But if we don't build any momentum... If there isn't any consistency in our life, we're going to get to a point where we stop. What happens when you stop? What happens when you, you stop showing up to church? What happens when you stop reading your Bible? What happens when you stop, you know, exercising that, that muscle, that, that faith muscle? You don't got to tell me. You know, what, you know what happens in your life when you stop. You know exactly what takes place. The roots that we have laid begin to, to rot. The foundation that we were building on starts to become weak when, we, when we're not exercising that faith muscle. It's like a new believer who shows up to church, and they're all in, and they're all excited, and they want to serve God, but they're busy. They're busy, and so they can't make it every Sunday because they think they got to work seven days a week. They think that, 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 that they have to, have to have all these hobbies and, be, and miss small groups and miss any, any type of discipleship because... Man, they're, they're busy. And it's not somebody who is, you know, bitter about what God is doing or not doing. It's, it's somebody who's busy. It's, I'm, I'm just too busy to show up. I'm too busy to read. 
I got so many things. And I got kids. If you ask a mom who's got young kids how their quiet time is, let's just say it might be non-existent. Now, can I free some of you moms with young kids who are struggling to find a quiet time? Find it anywhere. And maybe it's not sitting down and reading the Bible for an hour. Maybe it's in your car blaring worship music to silence the whines of the kids in the back seats. <laughs> Find some time just to be in his presence. And if it's not reading, then maybe it's listening. Maybe it's singing. And so my, my wife fights for that time with our three little ones at home. She fights for it. She desires it. And she doesn't always get it. But when she does, she knows the difference in her life. So what happens when, when we stop? It's that new believer that's too busy. And eventually they're too busy. They start to, they start to drift because they, they, never got, they never got solidified into what they believed. They believed at first, but that faith muscle was never exercised. And when you're in Christ, you're, you're rooted in Christ. You begin to exercise that faith muscle, and what you're now rooted in now strengthens you. And that strengthening contributes to the long-lasting of your faith. Some of you know this to be true. That's where we have to get to. And maybe you're asking the question today, Jacob, I just don't know how rooted I really am. Man, I've been coming for, for months. I've been coming for years. I've been, and this is like my 17th church that I've attended. So on, on, the, on, the, on the stats in God's book, man, I'm pretty, I'm pretty good. God, I've been to 17 of your churches. <laughs> I think God is like, well, it's, it's one church, you know, capital C church. But I'm just glad that you couldn't stay consistent under one shepherd. But that's okay, you know. Uh, consistency is key, right? Consistency is so important. It's so important. I talked to some of you. And you're like, man, I've been here for 10 years. And I'm like, you've been here for 10 years. Wow. I talked to this guy at another church, and he's like, I've been serving this church faithfully for 20 years. I'm like, 20 years? I'm like, you've seen everything. He said, I've seen it all. And all of it could have convinced me to leave. But I wasn't here for anybody or any person. I was here for Christ. And where God roots you is where he plants you. And if you want to know if you're rooted, what are you producing? Jesus said in John 15, he said, if you abide in me and I in you, you will bear what? Fruit. What kind of fruit are you producing? What kind of fruit are you bearing? Abide means to remain. Are you remaining? Are you staying? How, how, can, how is your consistency? Jeremiah 17, this isn't on the screen, but Jeremiah 17 verse 7 says, Blessed is a man who trusts in the Lord, who, whose trust is in the Lord. He is like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear, listen to this, and does not fear when heat comes, for its leaves remain green. Like a Dr. Seuss right there, right? Wasn't that? <laughs> that sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear when heat comes, for its leaves remain green. It says, and it is not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. How can you last if there is not any fruit? This is what Paul is saying to the people in Colossae. He's like, these things, and we'll talk about these things, that are, that are indoctrinating you know, your freedoms and what you believe in Christ. He's like, you're never going to last. You're going to be persuaded. You're going to be convinced unless you remember the foundation. And what's the, what's the threat? The threat was against that Jesus is God and that Jesus isn't enough. Jesus is lesser than God, and that there's more, there's more that you need. 
So what are, you, what are you building and how are you building? And if what you're building isn't how Christ has called you to build, then what you're building will be compromised. It's like my kids, when they, they build these Lego towers, I don't give them little Legos because I got a little crawler around the house and I eat them. They got these big Legos. And they don't understand that if they don't start with the big Legos on the bottom and they do the small Legos on top, right, it's going to not just be the lean tower of Pisa, but it's going to be the tower on the floor. And so you, you've, got to, you've got to use the... the the building blocks, the right building blocks on the bottom, and therefore you begin to add and you begin to build, and what you begin to build will last because of what you built it on. And it wasn't any building block you had, but it was the block that you built on, which was Christ. And so if you're not building what you're building on Christ, then it's not going to last. Paul even says this when he addresses the leaders in, 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 in the church in Corinthians. He says in verse 12 of 1 Corinthians chapter 3, I think we've, we've preached this passage before. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, these are good things, by the way. The temple of God with Solomon was, was pretty much all gold. But Paul says if you're building on this foundation using gold, silver, wood, hay, or straw, it says their work will be shown for what it is because the day will bring it to light. It'll be revealed by fire, and the fire will be the test the quality of each person's work. But if what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. Again, this idea that what I, what I believe um, I, I need to add to, there, there's another philosophy that I need to bring in. There's another doctrine that I, that I have forgotten that I didn't know about that's not in Scripture that I need to add. And so now we begin to add, we begin to now compromise the value of what we believed all along. As soon as you compromise the value of what you believe, then you're not, you're not really sure anymore of what it is that you believed. Some of you are like, man, I'm, I'm all for this. And then 20 years later, you're like, I'm not really sure if I still believe that because of what you've allowed to step in, what you've allowed to compromise because you've listened. Can I give you a formula that you've heard before? Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. And as soon as we begin to add things to it, which should not be to something that should be, how we are standing, not how Christ is standing, but how we are standing, become compromised. Like, don't give me a pickle on a burger. By the way, I don't like pickles on burgers. I like burgers. You give me a pickle on a burger, you've now compromised its value. <laughs> and I will not eat it. And I don't want it. Amen. And I think... I think our church has done a really good job, but some churches, they began to let those pickles in the church. <laughs> and as soon, as soon as somebody shows up, visits your church, all of a sudden they notice, this place has been compromised. This house has been compromised. That preaching has been compromised. They're no, they're, they're no longer following what God has called them to do and preach what God has called them to preach. What I had was great until it was compromised. Paul said in verse 6, he says, Just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him and only him. Don't allow anybody to, to dilute it, to change its formula, to tell you that there's some secret sauce that you now need that you didn't have before. Remember the foundation. Build it on Christ. And here's why. Let me take you to the second thing. This is verse 8. Verse 8, because now Paul, is, he's encouraged them. He's reminding them, again, who Jesus is and, and that he's enough for you. But now he goes on to say this in verse 8. He says, see to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition 
and, and the basic principles of this world rather than on Christ. Doesn't the world, the world has some good principles, yeah? But they may not be, if they're not biblical, then they're not good. They may have some principles that'll, that'll help you, encourage you, but will they really change your soul? No, and that's only gonna be from, from the Bible. And so Paul now moves on to remember your foundation to now you have to recognize the deception that's around you, that's fighting to get here, that's fighting to get into your life. You know, many scholars would, let me tell you about the, the Colossian heresy, because this is what many scholars would say is going on here. The uh, Colossian heresy, and let me say this, um, it's really easy to be deceived if you're not confident in what you believe, or if you're pretty distant from exercising that, that faith muscle. It's easy for deception to creep in. It's like the unhappy uh, married man who's away on vacation, and all of a sudden he sees a beautiful woman, and all of a sudden he thinks, he forgets that he's married. It's, it's as if Christ, who we are confident in, yet I, I'm distant now from that, I'm not confident in that because I'm a new believer, now deception starts to creep in and tell you and convince you that what you believe isn't truth. That if you, if you take some of this seasoning and sprinkle it on there, you take some of that seasoning and sprinkle it on there, now what you have is truth. By the way, I'd love to do that to some passages, wouldn't you? Just kind of like, you know, take that out and then like insert that word or, you know, take that book out because I just have no idea what that book means and then put like a nicer book that's more kind and loving. Like I'd love, I mean, my flesh would love to do that. But that would be compromising the scriptures. Paul says there's a, there's, a, there's a group of you who are new believers. You're learning and you're growing in your faith. But the enemy now is after you. They want to deceive you. And by the way, the enemy will always go after the new believers. And that's why at Victory Life, we have to do a good job at protecting the new believers. We have to do everything we can to assimilate the new believers so they can be confident in who they are in Christ. So the world would not convince them or persuade them. Or tell them that, oh, you're going to that church? Oh, you believe in that God? Let me tell you logically why that doesn't make sense. And if we're not careful, we will often side on the logic side opposed to the faith side. But I don't live by logic. Come on, we live by faith. And so don't convince me with your logic. Now, we should, we should know this and know how to defend it. That's apologetics, by the way. But I live by faith. So... Paul says there's this heresy that's hollow and deceptive. It's a philosophy that many were buying into. Let me take you to 1 John chapter 4, verse 1. If you have your Bibles, you can underline this passage because this is, this is a good passage. 1 John chapter 4, verse 1. This is a, it's a good chapter. But there's a lot of confusion, a lot of false teachings going on. You know, we'll listen to a lot of sermons online. I listen to a lot of sermons online all the time. And... Uh, I have to ask myself, is that really what Scripture says? Now, know that I'm listening to sound doctrinal people. I'm, I'm not listening to heresy, but sometimes I'll listen to things and I'm like, is that heresy or not? And so if you're listening to things, if you're reading things, like the people here that First John is, is, is addressing, he says, friends, in verse 1, he says, don't believe every spirit. Don't believe every spirit? But what does he say? But test them. To see whether that they are from God. Because 
many false prophets have gone out into the world. Now, that was only in that time, right? We don't have false prophets going on into, the, into this, this day, do we? No, we, we do. So this, this scripture applies to us today? Yes. Don't believe every spirit, but test the spirits to determine whether or not that they are from, if they are from God. Because there are many false people out there speaking on behalf of God, claiming that they are sent by God, claiming that they have a word from God, claiming that they have a prophecy only, for, only, only brought to them by God, and, and now, they got, now they have to share that with you. I don't know your denominational background, but man, I, was, I heard a lot of that. God told me to tell you. Man, I had, right before we were married, this, was, this would have been eight years ago, by the way, we just celebrated eight years in December, and uh, we, got to get, we got to get away from the kids for the first time since we had kids, okay? I know that's horrible, horrible marriage advice, but you should get away if you have kids as much as often, more often than maybe, maybe we should. Um, it was right before we were going to get engaged because I knew I was going to marry this woman. I knew Cheryl when I met her. You know, I was like, I'm all in. I wasn't playing games, by the way. I wasn't going to, like, you know, date her to date and then try to figure this out later. When I told her I liked her on August 26th, that was in 2013, I told her I was marrying her. Now, she didn't know that at the time, but I knew that at the time. I was convinced. Um, and so fast forward a couple months, like, before I'm about to propose to her, uh, this woman approaches me. I was at a, a retreat. I don't know, something about spiritual retreats, you know. Like, man, it's like... It's like you don't know if it's God or if it's emotions, right? And this woman shows up, and she came up to me, and she said, Jacob, I, God, God told me to tell you something. And I was like, God told you? I didn't even know you that well, but God told you to tell me? Like, let's go. Let me get out my, my pen. Let me write this down. What, what did he tell you? And she said, God told me to tell you that you were to break up with your wife or your, your girlfriend at the time, and you were to marry me. And I said, I said, Really? <laughs> can you sign that? You know, just, I got to show my, I got to show Cheryl because if this is true and I joke about it, but um, man, I, I was, I, I was like so confused. Now, again, I was young and somebody shows up to you and says that God told me to tell you. I'm like, God told you to tell me that I got to tell Cheryl, man. I, I just, I started to like, it started to mess, mess me up. And of course you're like, Jacob, don't believe that. But at the time, and I didn't believe it because I didn't, I, I was going to marry this girl. But I was like, God, am I being deceived? And that was some of the language that, that, that was given to me, that I was being deceived. And it wasn't just words, but it was like scriptures that were given to me, that I was being deceived. And, man, I just, I like went home, not on a spiritual high, but like on a spiritual low. And I'm thinking, is this, is this who I'm supposed to marry? And I had to like seek some counsel and help. For that, and it was just a simple moment, but I had to really, I had to seek some help because I, I was like, God, is this from you? What does First John chapter four verse one says? Test those spirits. Test them. He said, if it's not from God, then it's not going to be true. In fact, read the rest of that chapter four because it'll tell you how to test those spirits. And I had to seek help, and uh, clearly that was not God telling that girl. <laughs> Praise God for that. Because, uh, and I snagged a beaut. I love my wife. I'm very, very grateful for her. She's serving in kids right now. And she's with our own kids. So, like, you got kids at home and you got kids at church on Sunday. She can't get a break. Um, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 14 
says that Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. He could be very captivating, right? He could be very convincing. It's in those dark moments where you're away from, from God, you're away from the church, that he steps in and he convinces you that you are to believe this and you actually want to believe it. Do you know the things that he told Jesus um, when, after Jesus fasted for 40 days and 40 nights? The things that he convinced Jesus, those are pretty compelling. I mean, if I was Jesus, I'd be like, Jesus, that, that, just, just bow down. Look what you're going to get. Jesus knew, though. He knew. He knew that all, that, all, that, all those promises were hollow. They were shallow. They were deceptive. But if you're not careful, and church, if we're not careful, we'll let some, some of those walk into this, this place and start to tear us apart. We'll walk into this place, and, 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 and people will start to say, you actually can't teach that. You can't say that. Let me tell you why. Let me, let me pull up our legislation. Let me pull up, you know, our, you know, I'll tell you, let me pull up the Constitution. But let me pull up the Bible and tell you why I can't stop preaching these things. And so we have to be very careful to get that out. But, um, you know, Paul's like, listen, there's, there's, there's Gnosticism among you now. There's like people who are preaching that this, that this Jesus is, is lesser than God, that this world was created by a lesser God. There's this higher truth. There's this, um, as he would say, this elevated knowledge that people possessed. These were the Gnostics at this time. They had this elevated knowledge that, that they worshipped angels, that they, they, they can convince you of things that only they knew and only that, that they heard from and, and that you needed to know this too and only God chose just a few to hear. And, and Paul's like, you, you guys are delusional. You're delusional to think that this knowledge that you have was gained not from the Bible, but from some mystical experience. And you want that? You're trying, to, you're trying to indoctrinate our believers with that kind of crap, excuse my language. But Paul's like, I'm done with this. He's like, don't, don't buy into that. And you know what they were preaching was that salvation was not gained through uh, Christ or Christ alone, but it was gained through the acquisition of knowledge. And if you could learn more and you could gain more understanding and you could take a hold of the secret sauce that they had, then you could be saved. Paul said in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, for it is by grace that you have been saved, not, not by works, but through faith. And so you're saying, God, that I don't need to do more and, and discover more and learn more and dig a little bit deeper more. No, Christ just said, believe in me and you will be saved. It's through faith. It's not by works nor is it by understanding. Paul says you have to watch out for these people. This, this, these human philosophies that sound well, they're captivating by their speech, by their language, by their words. Man, we like those motivational people. We, we like them a lot, and they inspire us, but do they truly change us? And can I tell you, I think we pastors need to do a better job at less motivating and just preaching the Bible. In fact, I have my friends, they tell me this all the time. They're at other churches, and they're like, Jacob, we just want pastors to preach the Bible. And we, we want them to be okay with offending us. That's what they tell us. I was like, well, you got to show up to Victory Life then if you, if you want to you you experience that. Come on, this is the place to be. She's like, we just want them to, to preach the Bible, to not be concerned about, you know, always uplifting us. But they, they can offend us. They can call us out. These are my friends who are my age who are done with that. They're done with, they're done with like, just motivate me, inspire me, because inspiration doesn't change you. The word of God will change you. And if you want to be sharpened and you want to be formed and molded, then don't show up here. 
Go somewhere else. But if you want to be changed and challenged, then you better make sure you're at a place that is preaching this and that is preaching all of this. I think we need to talk just as much of sanctification as we do salvation. Like, this isn't just a one-time thing. Man, I got saved. I read the scripture. Hallelujah. Praise God. And now I can do what I want. No, you have to now walk in this daily. It's like any, I'm learning what, it, I'm, I'm, I'm receiving marriage counseling uh, uh, just because I, I constantly need it. But if I give any counseling to anybody else who's married, I'm like, you know what you don't do because I don't do is we, we haven't learned to die to self every day. Every day we haven't learned to do that. I struggle with that because I'm selfish. And I want to do what Jacob wants to do. Not what my kids want to do, not what my wife wants to do, not what God wants to do. And so I have to learn to die to self and pick up my cross every single day. It doesn't matter if you're married or not, by the way. That's how God called you to live. To die to self, to pick up my cross, and to follow him daily. And if I can do that, I will be mature and complete, as the scripture says. Let me, let me conclude this. I know we're going a little over. I apologize. But my dad goes a little longer than me, so uh, that's okay. Because um, let me give you some more of this Colossian heresy, and I'll, I'll be brief. But um, because there's there's so much that's going on here, and I wish I could just read the entire chapter. Um, it says in verse, go to verse. Uh, let me see, go to verse 17. No, go to verse 16. Verse 16 in, in Colossians chapter two. Therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink. Or with regard to a religious festival, a new moon celebration, or Sabbath day, you had the, the Gnostics, you had the Judaizers stepping in saying like, observe our laws. Observe our Sabbath. You're not following God. Okay, I, I can observe the diet, dietary laws. That's, okay, I can do that. I, I can honor the Sabbath. In fact, by the way, that's a really good principle to have in your life, in your family life. To, to pick a Sabbath and honor that. And, and get alone with God and kind of shut off everything else. But you have to realize that all of that had its symbolism fulfilled in Christ. I mean, could you imagine if somebody showed up to this house and said, everybody here needs to be circumcised? And that was so timely right there, Danny, and just the music following in. Next week, we're having Circumcision Sunday. <laughs> oh, that's good. It's good. I mean, could you imagine, like, like, this is essential to your salvation. Paul's like, you have Christ? Yeah, then that's all you need. Jesus is enough for you. Jesus is enough. He was enough. And he will always be enough. In 17, it says, these are a shadow of the things that were to come the reality, however, is found in Christ. In other words, these things right here that, that Paul is mentioning are mere shadows cast before what was to come. And what was to come that would fulfill the law? His name would be Jesus. Do not let anyone who delights in false humility and the worship of angels disqualify you. Such a person also goes into great detail about what they have seen. Man, God told me, he showed me, it's clear, it's, I gotta tell you this, yeah? You gotta tell me this? How, how do I know if it's from God? Test the spirits, 1 John chapter four, verse one. There's, there's, this, there's this heresy that, that if you didn't worship angels, then you weren't really worshiping God. We worship angels, that actually sounds kinda cool. Like, man, there, there are angels in scriptures. Man, I, 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 do I worship God? It's kind of like an angel. Do, do I worship angels? And then, then, then they say something like this. There's a special knowledge and special visions that you have to have 
and that you can't obtain. And I'm like, I want, I want visions. I want to know secrets. And Paul says, stay away from that. Do not be deceived. Everything you need to know is found right here in the scriptures. Do not be deceived. Don't think you need some other person telling you what you don't know, what you now need to know. Don't you let anybody else tell you, oh, there's this book, but there is another book. Ooh, there is another book. Can I just show you this other book? It'll bring revelation to this book. This is, this is revelation right here. I don't need any other book. This is all I need. And so Paul's like, don't be so persuaded or convinced by, by the indoctrination of things that appear spiritual, but they are not biblical. And if you buy into that stuff, the foundation that you are building, the foundation that you're creating for your family will not last. It's not going to remain. And now these things that flow out of you become destructive, not just to your own relationship with Christ, but to the members in the church. What kind of, what kind of voices are you listening to? What kind of people are you watching? What kind of scriptures are you misinterpreting? Because we could take this and interpret it, all, you know, and, and interpret it incorrectly and apply it to situations that were never meant to be applied to. That's why if a, if a pastor's preaching, you should, they should always talk about context. Who's talking? You know, Stephen, you and me were talking one time, Stephen. You were like, hey, Jacob, make sure you preach in context. And I was like, yo, don't call me out, Stephen. But yes, I will preach in, I'll never forget that, Stephen. And I appreciate that. Because you want a pastor to preach the word in context. Not just so it, it can apply to your situation and make you feel a little bit better about the sin that you're trying to justify right now. Let me, let me close this, and I'm going to give you a couple practical things. I remember I had, I had a, got advice from somebody one time and because uh, I was seeking some advice on how to date this girl I was dating. I don't know why I'm talking about relationships today. But by the way, in a couple weeks, or not a couple weeks after Easter, we're going to talk on relationships, and it's going to be awesome. But I was seeking advice when I was 17, and I approached this man who I was, you know, was with his daughter, and I was trying to do the right thing and, you know, be a man and talk to him. And, I was like, any advice you got for me? And this is what he said, 17 years old. He said, you can't fully know someone until you have woken up next to that someone. And uh, if that didn't make sense to you, he, he essentially gave me permission to sleep with his daughter. He's like, my daughter's getting away for a weekend. He's like, just make sure you go be with her because if you really want to know her and you think you're going to commit to a life of marriage with her, make sure you know what it's like waking up next to her. And if I was not set in who I was in Christ... I would have been like, maybe that's truth. Maybe that's what I'm supposed to do. And so you, you have to know what you believe. And let me give you three practical things as I close, just so this can kind of make sense as you leave here today. And if you can, would you write just these three down and just kind of remember them? But number one is know what you believe. That's so important as a church, as members in it, that you know what we believe that you don't just rely on a Sunday to feed you, but you learn to feed yourself. You gotta learn to feed yourself. You can't expect somebody to hold a bottle for you every single day. Because at some point that bottle is not gonna be sufficient for you, and nor is that person holding that bottle gonna be there for you. And so you've gotta learn to feed yourself. Scripture tells us that, by the way. Learn to feed yourself. 
Learn to dive into the truth yourself. Pick up some commentaries. Learn what you believe. Learn to quote the Bible more than you quote your favorite author or speaker. I'm all for quoting people, but learn to quote this thing. By the way, next week, somebody say next week. I told you I'd talk about this briefly. As we conclude, we the church, we are going to teach something next week that I believe is going to be foundational for us as a body. We're going to walk through something, and I've already mentioned this to you, so you know about this. We're introducing here what's called the growth track. And it's basically a process of assimilating people, onboarding people um, to serve, to be a part, but it's also for them to know who we are and what we believe, as well as for them to discover who they are and who God's called them to be. So it's like you, you, you step into you know, who we are as a church. You say, hey, I want to be a, a member of this church. And then we say, but what has God called you to do? What kind of giftings has he equipped you with? What kind of spiritual gifts has he equipped you with? And why are you not exercising those gifts? And so next week, it's, it's going to be a, a two-week thing that we're going to do every single month. But next week, we're going to teach week one on Sunday morning. And then we're going to invite you all to come back Sunday evening. Don't worry, the Oscars are not next week. They're, they're tonight, so you won't miss the Oscars if you watch the Oscars. Um, but we're going to invite you to come back next Sunday evening for the part two, and we'll feed you, okay? We'll give you dinner. That's my commitment to you. I will feed you. And maybe McDonald's, you know, Dollar Burgers or something like that, but we will, we will feed you. Um, so that's happening next Sunday. We'd love for you to all to be here for that. Obviously, you may not be able to make it for that part two, but if you can, put it on your calendar. And so we're going to help you know not just what you believe, but what we believe as a church. Secondly, seek counsel when testing a spirit. And just write down 1 John chapter 4 and all of chapter 4 because um, that will help you, uh, if you if you are seeking to know whether it's truth or not. And thirdly, don't lose connection with the body. Do not lose connection. Don't lose that consistency. Can I read verse 19 of chapter 2? This is what it says. It says, they have lost connection with the head. He's talking about all those who are coming in, thinking that there's some angel worshipers and some Gnosticism. He says, they've, they've lost connection with the head. From whom the whole body, supported and held together by its ligaments and sinews, grows as God calls it to grow. If you want to be like those people who think that you need to um, obtain more of a secret knowledge and a secret sauce, then lose connection with the body. But if you don't and you want to know what you believe in, then stay connected. Know what you believe. Seek some counsel when you're testing the spirits and stay connected to this body. Stay connected to a body. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I just thank you this morning. God, I, I, I am so humbled to sit here and teach your word and your truth. And God, I know many of us know this, and, it, and it's in our heart, and it's written on the tablets of our heart. We bind it around our neck. But God, I wonder if there's anybody in this room today who, who's, who's, who's far from you and maybe has been close to you at one point, but now is far, and they have not built a foundation that is firm. They have not been a part of a house that is, that is firm. And maybe they're, they're, they're stepping into that today. And God, I pray you would just encourage that individual to say, Lord, I need to surrender. I need to, I need to, I need to give it all. And God, I want what you have to offer. I want what you have to offer, Father. I want to build a house that is firm. Come on, anybody want to build a house this morning that is firm? In fact, if that's you, would you just stand to your feet? Say, hey, I'm, I'm ready to build a foundation that is strong. Come on, if you're already building a foundation that is strong, would you stand to your feet? Come on, it's all Christ. It's all Him. We don't build it on anything else. 
We don't build it any on in any philosophy, any type of person, any type of personality, because those are failing. Those are fleeting. But we build it on Jesus. Amen. We build it on Jesus. Come on, if that's you in this room today, and you're saying, my house is built on Christ, would you just lift up your hands all across this room? My house is built on Christ. And I'm only going to make it through because of him. Come on. Welcome to the Victory Life Church Podcast. We believe it's important to present an uncomplicated and uncluttered view of Christ and how we should live. We hope this podcast inspires you and helps build your faith. If you ever find yourself in the area, come check us out. For more information on services and events, visit us at vlcministries.com and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at VLC Plantation.